Hey everybody, thanks for checking out this episode of My First Sketch at MyFirstSketch.com. I'm Josh Hyam. As always, the show's on iTunes, the show's on SoundCloud. Subscribe and listen however you want. You can like the podcast on Facebook at Facebook.com slash MyFirstSketch. Email me at Josh at MyFirstSketch.com. Or you can follow me personally on Twitter at Josh Hyfoss. With Dirtiest Sketch in Philadelphia on the horizon, I reached out to the man who started it all. So today's guest is Don Montre formerly a member of the sketch group Bad Hair and the current executive director of CSZ Philadelphia. He also created the show Die Actor Die, which was a mainstay in the comedy scene several years ago. His first sketch is called The Mandrake. Jack O'Keefe plays the FBI agent. Don Montre is The Mandrake, and I do any visual and staging information you need to know. So let's go to the sketch. Two FBI types at a table. A phone sits on the desk. It rings. Hello? Is this FBI agent Strawberry? Yes. This is the Mandrake. Yes. Uh, You're late. I know. Sorry. My cell phone doesn't get great service out here. I really need to change providers. Have you transferred the money to the Swiss bank account? Yes, it's all there. All of it? Yes. All $11? Yes, are you sure you don't want more? What do you mean? Well, $11 isn't exactly an impressive amount. The fee to open the account was 250 Yes, sorry about that. I mean, I, I meant to open it yesterday after lunch. I, I assume you... Covered that cost? Actually, it's no big deal. I'll handle it. You've done enough. Now will you tell us where the bomb is? What makes you think there is just one bomb? (laughs) No, I'm sorry. I'm just playing with you. There's just one bomb. It's not even really a bomb. Just a couple of firecrackers and twist ties. I had to buy a bunch of boxes of trash bags just to get enough. You know, you'd think they just sell them separately. I mean, you never get enough with the bags. Also, what if I wanted to fasten some open cereal bags or cheeps? Well, I suppose I could use those cheap cleeps. Boy, I wish I'd invented those. I used to do the same exact thing with a bloody clothespin. Oh, I could have used a clothespin instead of the twist ties. I have plenty of those. Where's the bomb, Mandrake? Ah, yes, of course. The bomb. To discover the bomb's location, you must decipher the following riddle. Ookle under a the inch bay in the ain tray Asian stay. Look under the bench in the train station. Yes. I see you are a worthy adversary, Agent Strawberry. But let's see if you can get there in enough time to deact. Ah, shit. What? Never mind. It's here. You have the bomb. Damn it! I knew there was something I was forgetting to do. Uh, oh, see, there it is on my to-do list, right after open Swiss bank account. Jeez. Sorry, guys. The days just get away from you, you know. Oh, well. I'll try again next week. Thanks for calling. Bye.
right, on. Hello. All right, so tell me where this idea came from. Do you remember? Uh, it's 10 <laughs> years ago, so it's really hard to remember where the idea came from. I, uh, I think I was just in an absurd mood mm -hmm. when I was writing it. Um, it could have also... Uh, I know it sounds a little bit like... Uh, triumph the insult comic dog but that is not the voice we were doing at the time my my friend uh, Mike Young who um, was in my sketch group bad hair he originally did the voice and I think it was just a voice he had come up with mm. uh, so I think I think it really was just about being absurd just and silly and the, the worst possible supervillain yeah like. pretty much um, all right so what Let's start at the beginning. So, growing up, what were you like? What was your comedy fandom? What were you into? What were you watching? What, who were your go-to people? Movies, TV shows. You know, I, 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 I think the first thing was was Monty Python. Okay. I believe my father introduced me to Monty Python, probably in my teens. Uh, but I didn't really like. I liked doing comedic stuff. But I didn't really want to get into comedy. Okay. Um, at that time, when I went to college, and then I got, in, I met some people, and we just always were kind of playing around and, and doing fun stuff. Um, you know, we started watching the, uh, you know, we were watching the Kids in the Hall. Of course, Kids in the Hall also started in, when I was in high school. Okay. Uh, and uh, I remember it was that time I started watching. Uh, the British version of Whose Line Is It Anyway? That's okay, when yeah. it, it first started showing up on Comedy Central yeah. when I was in college. Okay. And we watched that all the time. So, But again, I wasn't really getting into comedy. I was doing more acting. I went to Allentown College okay. for theater. So, Like to, to be a serious actor? Yes. Like yes. Uh, serious, in yeah. quotes. And I came to Philadelphia, and uh, I was an apprentice at the Arden Theater, okay. uh, their second year of the program, and I became friends with uh, a lot of people in town, and I actually, when I was an apprentice, I saw my first comedy sports match. I auditioned for comedy sports. I did not get in, uh, and I kind of floated for a while. Mm -hmm. I did some... Theater. I did a little bit of film production work, mm -hmm. and I also at one point I was working in the Wilma Theater, and they wanted to do a, a, some kind of tribute show for one of their board members, mm -hmm. and they asked me to write it, and so I did, and it was really fun writing this. Okay, it felt yeah. that like, and it was I was just filling it with jokes, and I don't know how good I mean. I insulted Mayor Rendell to his face, which <laughs> I made a joke at his expense, and uh, it did not go over well in the <laughs> in the audience. Um, and I had really enjoyed that, and then I, I felt very good about being able to write that stuff. Like mm -hmm. I I knew it wasn't great, but I knew I was good at it. Mm -hmm. And so, but you had never like written beforehand. You never like. In your theater experience, you were always more of an actor, or yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, I'm not 100 percent sure where it came from, right. but it was there. 
I think also I was just a fan of award shows like the Oscars. Yeah, and if you're doing a tribute to a person, there's a very easy model to go to with the award show and actors. You're not giving away awards, but you are probably cutting to, like, different people and, like, different events. And, like, there's plenty of people in the audience that you can make fun of. Like, I mean, a joke about Rendell might not have hit very hard, but something else might have it for someone else like there's plenty of targets there's plenty of opportunity there like yeah i for that specific script they basically said here's his history and then i would write the history and then i would make jokes based on the history mm-hmm. yeah so like here's a chunk and then here's a joke at the end of it and here's a joke or here's a chunk and then here's the joke at the end of that so that was kind of the model for that mm-hmm. that went over really well and then the next year, uh, they asked me to write the Barrymore Awards. Okay. Uh, do you know what those are? Yes. Okay. The local, the, the Philadelphia-based yeah. theater awards. Right. Yeah. Our version of the Tonys. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I wrote that, and it went over really, really well. Really, really well. And I felt like I had really tapped a vein. Like what year would have this it been? It was 2001. Okay. It was 2001. And... It felt really, really good. And I remember I went to, I talked to this agent in town who I had known, I forget how I knew her. And I wasn't talking to her like, hey, can you represent me? Because she was an actor agent. I said, look, this is something I'm really interested in. How do I do this? Mm -hmm. And she said, you need to move to New York. You need to sleep on people's floors. And you need to do whatever you can to get your stuff out there. Yeah. And I had just started dating someone, so who's now my wife. Uh, and the thought of just picking up and moving up there wasn't that appealing to me. Right. I, if it had been maybe five years earlier, I might very done well it. have done yeah. that. Yeah. You know, and it was about that time, it was around that period that the UCB had just moved out there mm-hmm. and where they were starting up. I'm maybe off a couple years, but it was, but it was about still in its time. infancy. Still, it was yeah. in its infancy. And so if, you know, if I had gone up there at that time, uh, who knows? Right. Not, I mean, I'm, the point is that if I had gone up there at that time, I would have been getting into the scene at the time the scene was really just starting, right. uh, which would, could have been really, really interesting. Uh, so, yeah. So that's kind of how I got into it, uh, it's starting early on. Uh, so... So then what, what prompted you, you, you write the Barrymore words, what prompts you to start writing sketch? Because you mentioned bad hair mm-hmm. was the, the, your sketch group. Yes. Where does that grow out of? So in around that time, I started taking classes. Um, with, with who? With com- well, taking comedy sports okay. classes. I also, um, well, I'll get to that in a second. I, I, and then I eventually, I auditioned again. Didn't get in. I auditioned the third time, and I got into comedy sports. And then I was just surrounded by really talented, funny people. Okay. And I saw the potential in this group of people to do other things. Sure. So I basically just kind of grabbed a couple people that I thought would be really fun to work with and said, do you want to do a sketch group? And they said yes. So we came up with bad hair. And in... It was around this time that 
Mr. Show came out on DVD. Now I had watched Mr. Show back in the back day when it, when it was on HBO aired, yeah. and watching it on videotape and, and what have you. So I was really steeped in what they were doing. And again, I was watching uh, Monty Python and I was watching Kids in the Hall. So I was, and I was even watching uh, Upright Citizens Brigade when they mm -hmm. were doing their show. So I was very much absorbing all of this stuff and seeing how it was done and seeing what worked and really wanted to try and do that with this group, Bad Hair. So we put this group together. We would perform upstairs um, at midnight after our late show, okay. our late comedy so match. So Bad Hair was primarily performing here with Comedy Sports. Yes. We, our first big thing after that, we did The Fringe. Okay, I think yeah. it was the 2005. All right. 2004, 2005 Fringe Festival. We performed at an art gallery in Old Sydney. It was a beautiful gallery. It was big, high ceilings. And but it was great. Beautiful, beautiful gallery, but maybe not the best location for sketch comedy. Uh, no, it actually worked great. That really? I'll tell you why. We, we brought in the stage. You, uh, you guys, okay. We had, you know, we had a row of chairs. We had an audience. We had a backstage. We could make entrance next. We had a video. All right, so Bad Hair 2005 Fringe Festival. Uh, but, like, I also know you, well, I, I, I never did, because I didn't know this stuff existed, but Die Actor Die. Mm-hmm. What was that? Die Actor Die was my attempt at kind of the variety shows that they were doing up in New York, um, like uh, Aziz and Paul Shear and Rob. Um, uh, I can't remember. It's, it's totally they were Human Giant. Yeah, the Human Giant. They had a show called Crash Test Cr at okay. UCB. Um, and there were a bunch of uh, John Glazer and H. John Benjamin had a show called Tinkle. Uh, and oh no, it was John Benjamin. David Cross had Tinkle. They had the Midnight Pajama Jam. That's what John Benjamin and John Glazer did. Okay, anyway. <laughs> uh, so they it was my it originally started out as a show where com actors were doing stand up. That's okay. how it started. I wanted to s I wanted to try that out. I th I did it I think as a fundraiser first time. Okay. I did it upstairs at um, Fergie's. Mm -hmm. And it went great. And then I, I, they let me do it on a monthly basis. It became uh, hard to get actors mm -hmm. to do it because this is a lot of work for them and yeah. they're busy doing other stuff. So I started bringing more and more comedians into it and then it just turned into that kind of comedian type show and I started bringing in um, sketch groups and musicians when we went over. Eventually I got into the Kyber when the Kyber was still kind of a dive the, bar. Yeah, the, the previous incarnation of Kyber. Yeah, you know, so it was, it was fun playing on, you know, a stage that Iggy and the Stooges had played on mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, some other people, Iggy Pop and the Stooges. Uh, so, but it was, a, it was a great venue and it was, it was, there was nothing like that in the city. And it really was about bringing all the different groups together because I could I could feel that there was there were all these groups and they weren't really kind of talking to each other, but there was a potential of something really fun to happen when you brought all these groups together. So everything just needed the, p the right person to 
start bringing people together and doing shows together and I don't even know if it was the right person. I mean, I, I, I you, you just or the needed right the show. Opportunity right opportunity. Yeah. Because this was before, you know, Fit had become a thing. I think they were they were running monthly or barely even weekly maybe at certain spots. Like, they didn't have the Shubin yet. They weren't, I think, I forget what their, their first set of, like, monthly improv shows were somewhere else. You know, there wasn't much opportunity for comedy. Helium wasn't as a thing very mm. big anymore. It wasn't you, here yet. You had Laugh House down in South Street, but that's a different audience than what Sketch is going to look for. Um, mm-hmm. So you, you mentioned the Kyber, you mentioned Fergie's. What other venues were supporting comedy where you, like, was able to perform in, like, was there anything else that really... There was the Shubin. We actually rented the Shubin. There was the five spot. You're the look on your face. <laughs> there uh, was. Yeah, I, I'm so this is back when this is in the 90s uh, when swingers came out and you had the whole swing dancing right, scene right. Okay. that popped out, popped up and ran for about five years. The five spot was created was kind of one of those swing clubs. It was off of an alley in Old City. OK. And upstairs. Uh, was uh, uh, that was a stage where they actually would have uh, bands and 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 things perform. A group called the Waitstaff. Right. They uh, they were around the same time that Bad Hair was. They were the other sketch group in town, and they had a monthly slot at the Five Spot. Okay. So that was also a venue where you could rent and perform. Mm-hmm. Uh, apart from the Five Spot, the Shubin. Uh, potentially here in the playground there wasn't much no because like um because I always thought that if I wanted to pursue live comedy and doing sketch or anything I would have to at the very least move to Chicago like because even growing up being a, a fan of Saturday Night Live and diving into the history of it because my fandom of Saturday Night Live really started with the 25th anniversary and like like all this new material started coming out, all these books and interviews and stuff. And the two things I knew were Second City and Groundlings. Right. And that was it. Like, yeah. And for a long time, that was it. It wasn't until UCB started popping up. And now all these other cities have started their own comedy communities. Like, I know Pittsburgh has Arcade, Charm City down in Baltimore. Like, there are improv theaters now everywhere where that probably wasn't the case 10, 15 years ago. Right. You have um, coalition down in Richmond. Right. Um, and I had only known of comedy sports existed here in the city because when I was in high school, one of the guys on the, the newspaper came down to a show and reviewed it. And because whose line was a big juggernaut on TV. Mm-hmm. And that was pretty much everyone's introduction to what improv, at least short form improv can be. Mm-hmm. So he came down and did a full, he's like, the thing on TV exists, it exists here in the city, you should go. Um, So like, just the idea that comedy existed in Philadelphia became very new to me when I discovered Fit and discovered Secret Pants and all this other Mm -hmm. stuff. Um, So the idea of the pre-Fit, you know, like I joked with Greg Gether a couple weeks ago of the dark ages where there, there wasn't a centralized location, there wasn't... You know, you were just another, like, night at the bars calendar. Um, so you mentioned, you like, bad hair, wait staff, 
like who else would have been around? Not like, many. Uh, Secret Pants was just starting. I remember hearing about them, and I think were they Temple or Drexel? Temple. They were Temple. Uh, Secret, I know Secret Pants. They were doing stuff. So I mean, certainly colleges were the other venue for these types of of things. Um, but that was about it. Uh, Megan Robb, eventually Six Borough, like their workers had started, but I think that was pretty much like after you had at least Die After Die was a thing. There were more shows happening. Uh, Die After Die runs its course. It's about two years that you did it for the most, like. I think so. Um, I think two years is about right. Uh, but I, I had another guest a couple weeks ago, months ago, who said that you had you were his sketch teacher. Uh, you were teaching a sketch for Fit for a while. I did. I did once. I did one you class. Cl- you did at the fit, one yeah. session because I, uh, I talked to Pat Shustock, who is mm-hmm. uh, now a member of Fit's digital team. Awesome. Um, and we had worked together on a show at Fit a couple years ago and everything. And he had mentioned you, and then Greg had mentioned you. Did he like what I had to say? I think so. I think he was, you know. He was positive about the experience for sure, like, <laughs> which is always helpful. Great. But he was mentioning that, like, at that point, Fit wasn't even at Shubin. It was like I think he said that. Um, where did he? I say? think Fit was, or the class was at like the class was at um, um, somewhere like like. It old was at Painted Bride. Painted Bride. Okay, yeah, because that was the point where Fit didn't have a communal space. They, I believe they were, they were in the Shubin on like a weekly basis. When I got involved, when I, when I did my first class, they were only doing the Shubin every two weeks. That's right. And like, I think only like four nights a week. Like there wasn't yeah. a lot of opportunity there, but they still had plenty of spaces to fill because there weren't that many people. Like now in the last five years, comedy has boomed where we now have two theaters in the city running full time every night. Mm-hmm. One of them was running two stages certain nights, and there's just classes everywhere. You can, if you wanted to take an improv class, it's not an issue anymore. Um, so, what was it like to create an audience for Doctor Die? Like, it was. Um, it's hard. It's hard for any kind of show. We had some nights that were great, and we had some nights that were terrible. Mm-hmm. We. You know, we would do this was I can remember making the first Facebook page for Die Act or Die back in like 2007 or something like mm-hmm. that. Uh, and <coughs> the Kyber was kind enough to include us in their weekly stuff. Mm-hmm. I also think it was a lot of word of mouth. It also helped that I had a lot of people on the show and we have a lot of people on the show you, Hopefully the theoretically, that in. reach is higher. Yeah, because exactly. they're sharing the event with their community of friends, and hopefully, you know, each person can get one or two, three, four people to come and see them, and you see other people, and it's what, like you would hope that it's an exponential growth from there. Like, yeah, because um, you, you, you can't. No one can afford to to advertise at that time. You couldn't really afford to buy an ad anywhere. You just had to, you know do as much gorilla as you could. And uh, I mean, I would put out flyers around town and stuff like that, but it was, it was mostly word of mouth of, of people who were in, in the show. You know, you do something like dirtiest sketch 
that would certainly get a lot of people yeah um there uh i did i once did a a, a night at the fringe festival i think we did uh, eight hours or four hours it might have been four hours of straight a straight show wow uh and things like that so it it was it was really kind of organic but i don't think it ever really took hold and became a thing right it had its it had its time it had its moment people would come and see it but it was all i always felt like i was still trying to pull them in it was never just became a thing that people just knew to go there on right. the first Monday night at right. eight o'clock. Uh, you mentioned Dirtiest Sketch. Yes. Where did that come from? What was the, the impetus to start that show? Uh, that was an idea I, I literally stole from something I had seen online. Okay. I mean, it's uh, steal it in the sense that I thought I, I liked the idea of what it was and I just kind of took it was I think it was something that it was a show that Julie Klausner and her partner at the time, whose name is escaping me, they had a show called The Dirtiest Sketch in New York. And I thought it was such a great idea because uh, I wanted, to, I, I always knew Philadelphia had a, a dirty side. Mm -hmm. But I also wanted to see how creative people could be with it. Right. how far people could push it because at the same time I'm not a I'm not a fan of going blue for blues sake I think right. that a lot of times when comedians and sketch writers start out they think that saying fuck or shit or you know something else is a way to get a laugh mm -hmm. and it's a way to get a laugh once yeah. And then after that, you have to kind of earn it. Yeah. So it's just such an obvious, it's, it's almost kind of like a, a, a rite of passage also to kind of go there, do that, and then realize that you can't do that anymore. And you have to go beyond it. And you have to think about how to be smart. What is it you're trying to say? What's the game you're playing mm -hmm. with the scene or what have you? Uh, what's the progression? So... I thought it would be really fun to say, okay, well, let's do that where everybody is in agreement when they're coming to the show and when they're performing in the show that it's going to be dirty. Yes. That's the given. And how much fun with that can we have? How far can people go with that? So, and yeah, we wanted to, you know, let someone win the title and we, we wanted to make it a competition. Yeah which is kind of what it was. I don't know. I, I, to be perfectly honest, I don't know what New York's format is in any way, shape, or form. Right. And I remember when I got the, uh, when, I, when I read about that and I thought, I'm going to do this here in Philly, I actually sent them an email and I said, look, this is, I think this is a great idea. I want to do this in Philly. Do you mind if I do this? Mm -hmm. And they never got back to me. So, so I just said, all right, I'm just going to do it. Uh, so I took the first and then the And then in the resulting years, Julie Klausner hasn't, come down and yell at you. No, like she is that. not. She's been very busy. So we should be okay. Yeah, I think it's I think it's fine. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's interesting that if you... New York was certainly a place where a lot of inspiration was... I, I Certainly, I found a lot of my inspiration for what they were doing up there mm -hmm. um, and what was possible and trying to recreate some of that stuff down here. Yeah. Uh, like, 
I think it's the eighth or ninth dirtiest sketch. I think nine. If I think about the winners, I can probably count backwards. Uh, or even 10, I don't know. Uh, but like all of the videos are online at phillysketchfest.com and you can see that there's a progression year to year where it gets worse and worse <laughs> and dirtier and dirtier. And like the competition has grown up that I'm like slightly terrified of what's going to happen this year. <laughs> um, where we've had like people getting waxed on stage. Uh, a live chicken was involved at one point last year. Nothing happened to the chicken. It was all like magic tricks and sleight of uh-huh. hand. But like the the uh, the idea behind it was just so bizarre and genius, and I loved it. Um, I think it was for me when it was the Fico brothers when they did their. I think it might have been the third year. And when it was at the Shakespeare Festival. Which is, how does that happen? Well, they just rented the space. Or is it just space. the theater? It was part like, of, it had become part of, uh, I think I had done it two years at the Kyber, and then I wasn't doing it anymore. And I believe when the Sketch Fest started, they wanted to include that. Mm-hmm. And I hosted it the first year. Okay. And that was the year they that came out and they the, did their the first sketch. Fico. When, yeah. It was so great. It was so great. They, they totally grabbed it and embraced what it was. Not that anyone else hadn't done it before, but I feel like they took it to the next level and they won that year. That was the, um, like where they were throwing up in the buckets. Yeah. The whole, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah that, that sketch is gross. <laughs> it's uh, very good. But it was so, <laughs> it, it was it, so funny. It definitely yeah, is that live. next level of like possibility of what you can do because I think. Secret Pants wins with a celebrity rape game or something like, like or the, the raping game where it's a parody of the of the dating game. Um, uh, so Fico's win twice. It, Secret Pants wins the first two. Mm-hmm. Fico's win twice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and after you're, I don't think you're involved anymore. No, I haven't uh, been able to go, so I don't uh, know. High drama, and now we're in a three year wa- a three year run with the incredible striking Matt and Jackie. And last year, Jackie waxed. Matt's butt like on stage which was just I'm really happy I was on the side of the stage (laughs) um but like when Philadelphia like uh when you're creating these new shows and taking the inspiration for the New York shows because Die After Die like like one of my uh entry points to some of the new stand-up comics was Comedy Central at least invite them up and Comedy Death Ray that there were uh, like a three disc Mm-hmm. stand-up collection yeah. of these shows. And, yeah. and Invite Them Up was an influence as well. Yeah, like, I love that. they were the first times that I really ever heard a lot of those names, and a lot of those names on those CDs are now the mega stars within comedy. Um, so what is it about Philadelphia? Like, you mentioned that you, you had just started dating a girl who's now your wife. Why pursue theater and comedy in Philadelphia versus going somewhere else? Well, I mean, certainly for me, it's about the fact that this is where I live and doing comedy is something that I enjoy doing. Mm-hmm. But I've also, uh, uh, many years ago, I really had to make that conscious decision of what I was going to do with it. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I was... When I was doing Die After Die, I was also experimenting with stand-up, and I, I was enjoying it. Uh, I was definitely brand new, and I didn't know shit, but I, I felt like I had something to explore. 
And I had to sit and, and, and think about it and be like, well, if I really want to explore this, that means being out almost every night. Yeah. It means eventually going on the road at some point, you know, um, this is this is even before Chip and Pat were start. Well, it might have been Pat may have been starting to go on the road. Pat Barker or Pat House. Pat House. Yeah. Uh, but uh, ultimately, I was very much aware. I knew what the stand-up lifestyle was. If yes. you wanted to make it, and I was not willing to. I just had a, my my daughter, and I was like, I'm, I'm not willing to do that. Yeah. And so I made that decision to, to not pursue that. And just try and pursue it as I don't want to say a hobby because I don't I don't treat it as a hobby. It's a very serious thing to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want I want CSZ Philadelphia and, and comedy sports to be successful uh, in this city. So I, I, I'm very serious about that. Uh, but uh, I, I can't obviously pursue it as a full time thing. You're right. Uh, yeah. So I that's that's for me the thing. I, it's. That is a question in terms of for other comedians and performers in town that has been asked forever. Yeah. You know, it's like, well, what what are we doing? What's the end game here for us? You know, for, uh, you know, Greg has always been very upfront. It's like he's just he's creating a place where people can learn, train and perform and move on. Yeah. Right. Uh, And. You know, Good Good uh, is is kind of a place where they're starting to do some some classes and stuff like that. But I think their thing is more about just giving a venue to people to put up whatever they want to put up as yeah, a place to, to try something to. Yeah, right. We'll give you a space. You put up the show. And, you know, that's great as well. The. But it really like when if you go to New York or to Chicago or to Los Angeles. Well, take Chicago out of it for a second. If you're going to New York and Los Angeles, you're going there because you want to be, you want to make it in the business. Right. And whatever your level of a success is, is up to you, whether it's like, I just want to be a working comedian. Mm-hmm. And as I want to be able to book a room, go there Friday to Sunday, for Thursday to Friday, Saturday, perform, get my money, come home, do it again two weeks later or, you know, be a writer, what have you, uh, you, 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 that's where the business is. And so that's where you have to be to get into the business and find your place in that business where you can make a living doing it. Mm-hmm. Chicago, you can kind of do that there, but it's also, I feel like Chicago is more a place where, uh, you go to really immerse yourself in the art right, and the craft and, it's respected in that town yeah, by the, the people. The, the cult of Second City is a vastly different cult than, than the cult of UCB, where, like, UCB is very trial and error. Like, Second City is a theater. Like, yeah. it's very much a theatrical production. The, I know that they're regularly nominated for the Chicago-based theater awards just as a regular show, like, legitimate theater, serious mm-hmm. theater, whatever you want to like they're in the mix as real theater people more so than Groundlings or UCB might be like oh yeah absolutely uh, because they put on a theatrical show yeah four times uh, two times or three times a year whether well, the, it's with second space they do another uh, whatever um so but Philadelphia is 
I get asked this question all the time whenever someone like you talks to me about comedy in Philadelphia and mm-hmm. well, what's it like here and and you know I, I I don't know I really don't know it 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 feels to me like it's a place where people can be okay just doing their thing here mm-hmm. as a side project or it's a launching pad for something else yeah it's the city as of now has not uh, embraced the comedy scene um, and you know I, I think there are, you know are, are a couple of reasons why they might be but uh, it, it seems to be just a place now where people figure out this is something that they want to do and if they're good at it they'll either just continue to kind of do it or they'll say, okay, I'm good at this. Now I'm going to see if I can take it to the next level. Right. Uh, so uh, you mentioned being, you're the executive director yes. of comedy sports. Uh, do you get the same fami- fulfillment of being on the production side as you do from the performing side? Yes. Uh, and just to clarify, uh, just be, uh, uh, comedy sports is the show we comedy do. Sports Philadelphia. CSZ Philadelphia CSC, is the okay. company that it's produces the, it. All right. That's fine. No, I just want to, because, it is the eternal struggle to get people to say, uh, to understand the difference between the two. So, so, but you're in, so in, the, in that case, you're the executive director of all everything that's encompassing of the classes of. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I'm Space in charge of the company. Yeah. So yes, absolutely, I do because uh, for for a very long time, it was just comedy sports. We taught classes. We do team building. You mm-hmm. could hire us for road shows. Right. But you know that's kind of. We didn't have our own space. We were hermits just like Fit was, like Good Good was, like everyone who's kind of starting out is, like Philly Sketchfest is Mm -hmm. now. Um, And, you know, we certainly had our own space here for a very, very long time, but we never just kind of put down our roots and really try and grow the company. And that's what we've been doing uh, for the past, like, six or seven years is really trying to grow it and make it into... Uh, a company that it is because we just have such talented, experienced people as performers, as instructors, as uh, team builders and using applied improv. So there's a lot that we can offer as a company and being able to expand that and tell people about that and communicate that and market that and watch the company grow in that way is very, very fulfilling for me. And I also just feel like I've been doing this for, you know, 14 years now. So I feel, I actually feel like in the past three years is when I've actually felt like I'm really comfortable as an improviser. Hmm. Uh, so, yeah. Um, as we're winding down, there's general things I ask everybody. Uh, and this is basically a sketch comedy podcast, and there's no bigger juggernaut in the world of sketch comedy and Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Uh, do you have a favorite Saturday Night Live cast member? Um, the, I think the, probably Phil Hartman was my favorite. Okay. And it's the, the reason that everybody cites for him is that he could be the star of a scene. Yep. He could be, uh, a supporting character in a scene and he was just always 100% committed Yeah, and he was just always so funny. Um, so I, 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 yeah, I would probably say that Phil Hartman. He's pretty much the top 
two or three that I've been getting. So, yeah. Uh, and then, um, what have you like, what have you learned from comedy either like as a life, like something, you know, that would be a, a bit of wisdom for life in general or some kind of tip for a young starting com- comedy writer? Like, is there something that you could pass on? Um, I would say f- if you're a young sketch person, and I think if you're a sketch person, you should definitely start out by writing some stuff. I think definitely. Even if you're not going to be a writer, you just want to be a performer, you should still kind of understand how it works. Mm-hmm. I would say take classes. Take those classes seriously. Uh, see shows. Mm-hmm. Watch videos. Um, do your research on the history of sketch comedy in in America, in the world. Um, you start to see rhythms and patterns. You see where people break out of those rhythms and patterns. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very good to learn the rules so that you can then figure out how to break them. Yeah. Uh, the... the the most important thing is you just have to keep doing it. That is the, that is the, 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 the key. And that's the key to stand-up. That's the key to improv. That is the key to any kind of performing thing that you're going to do is you just have to do it. You have to keep doing it. You have to take it seriously and uh, stick to it. Stick to it and keep doing it. Keep writing. And eventually you will get to a point where it all clicks. Mm. and you'll be able to, you know, put out, write a sketch, understand how it works, know where the beats are, where's the turn, you know. You'll just start to know once you you get there. All right. Uh, so Comedy Sports every Saturday. Comedy Sports uh, matches every Saturday night at 7.30 and 10, and we have The Blue Show, which is an adults-only improv show, which goes back to your... Uh, our conversation about uh, Dirtiest Sketch. Mm-hmm. That's the last Friday of every month at 10 o'clock. Dirtiest show in Philadelphia. Uh, hands down. And, yeah. Classes, roadshows, team building. All right. All right. Thanks, Don. Thank you. Don Montre is the executive director at CSC Philadelphia. You can check out Comedy Sports every Saturday night at 7.30 and 10. And on Friday, November 25th, Comedy Sports will host their monthly rec league featuring graduates of the CSC education system at 7.30 and the Blue Show at 10 p.m. All those shows are at the Playground of the Adrian and tickets are available at ComedySportsPhilly.com. Philly Sketchfest Presents returns with the annual Dirtiest Sketch in Philadelphia, November 18th at 10 p.m. at the Playground at the Adrian. Tickets are available at phillysketchfest.com. My First Sketch is a Philly Sketchfest production. You can find out more information at phillysketchfest.com or on Twitter at phlsketchfest. Also, for more information about comedy in Philly, head to watercooler.com. The music on this episode is by the band Nono, which you can check out at nonoband.bandcamp.com. Like my first sketch on Facebook. This is Josh Hyam. Thanks for listening. Now go see some comedy.